0: Thank you, Eric, and congratulations. Thank you. As Alan said at the beginning, this is the final week of the MICA mission series based on the mission statement of Hope Gateway, which is, yes. come on, they did better at nine and there were less, <laughs> yes, kindness, walk humbly with God. Alan reminded us that that was 2,800 years ago that that was said, and I can't think of something that is more appropriate in today's day and age. First, three weeks ago, Alan talked about how we can do justice in our everyday lives. He reminded us that justice is a contemplative practice. It's a prayer. It's something we do to put our faith in action and a way to deepen our faith and our connection with God. One example, a beautiful example, I think, um, of what Alan was talking about, he also put into practice very shortly thereafter when he testified at the DHHS hearings up at the Cross Arena. I saw Alan testify, and I've seen him preach many times, with this same passion and conviction and truth. And he was challenging those sitting there, reminding them that justice is important, that health care is a human right. It's not a privilege. And one of the best lines came out of his mouth immediately, in my opinion, when he looked at them. And he said, are you listening? Not once, twice. Didn't get a response, by the way. (laughs) It's kind of scary. Two weeks ago, Sarah talked to us about what it meant to love kindness. Sarah emulates that, in my opinion. She shared a video of the street barber, Nazir Shabani, a man in Australia who is in his fifth year of recovery. He went to school, he became a barber, and he cuts hair six days a week at a shop, and on the seventh day, he goes out to the homeless and he cuts their hair for free. How wonderful is that? He takes the time to cut hair of people who go unnoticed every single day. He listens to their stories. He doesn't judge them. And he cuts their hair and freshens them up, makes them feel better about themselves. How more humble can you get He embodies a loving kindness that restores dignity to those who have it taken away from them. Those who are unnoticed are uncared for because of who they are. Today I am going to try in my best way possible to talk about walking humbly with God. It's kind of a tricky subject because. I can't really use examples because that takes away the whole humility of it all. And be assured that I don't always walk humbly with God. In fact, if my percentages were right as I calculate, it's probably in the single numbers. But I try, and that's a goal. As Sarah, I, I said something to Sarah once, and she said, Well, it's always a goal, you know. A story, there's a story told of a man who dies and he goes to heaven. And, of course, he meets St. Peter. And St. Peter says to him, let me tell you how it works. You need 100 points to get into heaven. And depending on how good you were, I will give you points for each good deed. man says, that's pretty easy. I was married to the same woman for 50 years. Never cheated on her, even in my heart. St. Peter said, that's great. Worth three points. Three points, he said. Well, I attended church all my life. I supported its ministry with my tithe and my service. Great, St. Peter said. That's worth a point. One point. Golly, he said. How about this? I started a soup kitchen in, the, in my city, and I worked for homeless veterans. Fantastic said St. Peter, good for two more points. Two points, he cried, incredulously. At this rate, the only way I will get to heaven is by the grace of God, (laughs) to which St. Peter said, welcome, come on in. (laughs) Those 94 points were recognizing that it is only by God's grace that we get into heaven. It is God's gift to us. We don't earn it. We don't have to impress God. It is a gift. And although this is satire, I believe there is a lot of truth to this. It's not about us. It's about God. For me, this is a reminder of God's grace. And it is that God's grace not our willpower, not our good deeds, that we are able to uh, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. And by accepting that grace, we cooperate with God's will. In other words, we don't get a point for doing what God requires which is to live out the mission, to be kind to people, to love people, to walk humbly. God doesn't have to reward us with points for that. But what God does do is he gives us something even better. He gives us an endless fountain of grace. The grace that God gives us, that fountain never shuts off. We may step away from it, but it is still flowing and ready when we come back. A humble person does not take credit for the good things that they have done. They do them because that's what we are here to do. We aren't here to win the Oscar or the Emmys or whatever else. We are here To be together with one another, to walk humbly with each other, to care for each other, to be God's hands, God's feet, God's ears. This morning I chose a uh, scripture from Philippians, and in between services, uh, Alan and Sarah presented me with this wonderful Bible called The Message, And it's in uh, contemporary language, and I actually like the translation better, so I'm going to use that one so the 9 o'clock people missed out. (laughs) Teach them for coming early. (laughs) If you have gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of spirit means anything to you, If you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourself the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of the status, no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave, became human. And having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life, and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that a crucifixion. Jesus knew that he was equal to God. But he didn't exploit that. He didn't manipulate people to believe. He didn't try to change people. He knew that had to come from them. What he did is he loved them. And he gave us the example of how to love. Jesus did not receive accolades. What he received was a crucifixion. They thought that was the end, but it wasn't, because God is never outdone. God can change the worst of situations into the best of situations. And sometimes it feels so long in between. As we know, there has been such a sharp increase in so many phobias, xenophobia, homophobia, misogyny, Islamophobia, in the last year. Because I believe, those that are in power exploit it. They use their office to advance their own arrogance, their own hatred, and have forgotten the example of Jesus Christ. And that is why I believe there is utter chaos. Some have forgotten that, yes, we are created in God's image, therefore we are part of God. But we are not the creator. We are not the creator. We are part of creation. The creator is God and God alone. And when we forget that, arrogance abounds. St. Paul reminds us that instead of thinking of ourselves all the time, what we want, what we think, what we deserve what we've accomplished, or as C.S. Lewis says, true humility is not thinking less of yourself, it is thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself, it is thinking of yourself less. Putting others first. Courtney Abbott gave a sermon in the This I Believe series last summer where she recounted a disagreement she had had with her husband. And they were angry at each other and didn't really get a resolution right away. And then they had friends for dinner, new friends that had come from the Dominican Republic uh, of the Congo. And their friends shared the horrific life that they had in the Congo and how it was nice to be here and how it was nice to be uh, safe, feel safe. And that they didn't have to worry that people were going to break into their apartment and evict them at gunpoint. Here, they felt safe. Courtney and Chris looked at each other after that dinner and said, Oh, I don't think our fight was all that important because God's humility opened their heart. And they saw that, as she said, humility gets in touch with what matters. We see where our privileges lie and we begin to remember what's important. True humility means that we are willing to make sacrifices for the good of all of humanity. After all, we are all one. We are all one. God does not see us as Christian, non-Christian. God doesn't see us as man or woman, gay, straight, transgender. God does not see us as rich, poor. God does not look at our nationality or our skin color. But when God looks at us, he looks at us. He looks at you. He looks at me with love no matter what. And some of those sacrifices that we have to make are not always with money, time, talent. God looks at us to greet everyone with respect. And that's how we walk humbly. Our country is in a serious, humble crisis. Humility seems non-existent in so many places and in so many people. For a country that claims to be founded on Christian principles, I dare say it is failing miserably. I'm convinced that if Jesus walked into a lot of places today, including the general assistance places in any town, state, Jesus would be deported because he's an immigrant and he's looking out only for himself. And isn't that sad that we don't see the face of Jesus in all individuals? Let me further say to you that I recognize I'm preaching to the choir here. Because Hope Gateway, for me, over these last nine months, has taught me a lot. And what it has taught me the most is how to recognize Jesus Christ in every face that I see. Every single face that I see. You have taught me that. You have taught me how to love. And I had a woman who taught a class on pastoral care a couple of months ago, and she reminded us that loving and liking are two different things. We can always love somebody without liking them. And that was important to me because I always felt bad when I didn't like somebody. I felt like I wasn't loving them. But that's not true unless I treat them badly. And that's important. But lest if you think that all is lost, it is not. Because I believe that even in these difficult times, God is alive and well in the world. And how do I know that? I look around this room. I look around this room. And I see people who have sacrificed, have had to leave their homeland and their families behind, who have come here to make a better life, to be welcomed, to be loved, to be supported, How do I know that Jesus is here? The soup soup kitchen that serves meals on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The collection of socks for the homeless for Holy Thursday. These are just but a few, very few examples of how I have seen Christ at work here. Here. And I am very grateful, and I am so touched that I have had the privilege to see this at work every Sunday that I was here. It would seem, from what I've been saying, that it's very difficult, and why would we want so much difficulty? But Elizabeth Gilbert, in her book Eat, Pray, Love says, sometimes our hearts are broken, so a new light can get in. And I think that is true. Our hearts break when we hear of violence like Manchester, England. Our hearts break when we hear of children being abused or exploited for someone else's purpose our heart breaks. But you know what? That's where God comes in. That's where the light can come in and we can do the work that God has called us to do, to do the justice, to do to love the kindness, and to walk humbly with God by helping those who have been a victim. That is where God's light shines through. Finally, as most of you know, as Alan said, um, this is my last weekend as an intern at Hope Gateway. As I said at 9 o'clock, in the Christian tradition, today is uh, Ascension Sunday. I don't have any grandiose ideas that God is just going to take me up after the service. At least I don't think so, um, and I hope not. Um, So I will be here um, after this, but um, it's hard to believe that these nine months have gone by for me. Um, when I came here, I was nervous. Would I fit in? Would they like me? Will I be effective? And I as reflect on this question now, as I reflected as I wrote this, I thought to myself, really, Jeff? What an ego. What an ego. This isn't about you. It's about serving God's people. You, God's people. Stop worrying about yourself, is what I said, and go do something. And so, here I am. Many of you have asked me what I plan on doing after ordination. Really don't have a bombshell to tell you. I don't know. Um, I didn't know two years ago I was going to chime. God has a real secretive way of dealing with me. I just found out I was going to chime six weeks before I went. I think much to the panic of my family who thought, oh my God, he's going back to school again. Somebody who hated school so much, what is he doing? (laughs) But here I presented myself. And I can tell you that you all have had a piece in making me the person that I am. And you all have a part in how I have been shaped and next week at three o'clock, who's counting? Uh, <laughs> next week at three o'clock, when I or somewhere around in that time frame, when I am asked by either the dean or the abbess of Chime, "Are you ready to be ordained?" It's because of you I can say yes. <clears throat> Not in an arrogant way, because I'm scared to death, but you have helped me to realize that I can say yes with some sort of certainty. And I want to thank you all for being true followers of Jesus Christ. I dare say that any stranger who would present themselves at that door would be welcome without hesitation, would be welcomed without question, and that speaks volumes of who you are and who we are as a people. To Sarah and Alan, I thank you Sincerely, from the bottom of my heart. You have been wonderful mentors, compassionate, kind, and patient, and good to me. And I am very grateful. There are actually not enough words to express how grateful I am. And all I ask is that you all pray for me as I pray for you. And know that I carry you each day in my heart, and I forgot I would have brought my stole in that I will be ordained in, but I had it made, and on the back, in the nape of the neck, is the United Methodist Cross, so I never forget this time, and every time I put that stole on, I will always remember and treasure the time that we've had. And I ask and I pray that God's richest blessings be upon each and every one of you.